0: What's up, Hog fans? Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm Ty Hudson, and I just wanted to say, hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to what Jacob Porter and myself have to say about the Razorbacks. You know, the ups, the downs, and most of the things in between. Hopefully, you enjoy the content. If you do, maybe you could give us some of that star power over on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. We uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Go
2: Hogs!
0: Yo, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast, episode numero 63 oh, With me today, pretty cool, pretty... Sp- pretty big deal here we have kyle sutherland this is his first official hog talk podcast episode he's he left behind tex hogs to join us if you if you've heard of tex hogs i'm sure you have great podcast but now he's over here he's with us he joined myself jacob scott davison and, and uh, porter and he's a part of the team welcome kyle we are so happy to have you buddy
2: I appreciate it, Ty. It's great to be on board. And, of course, have uh, put my name in the Bobber, Bobby Hopper transfer portal. Uh, respect my decision. I have made the move from Tex Hogs to the Hog Talk, and it is great to be on board.
0: <laughs> we're we're going to trademark that term. Porter, Porter called it. We need to trademark that before other uh... – before other podcasts and, and uh, news folks start copying that term, that's that's going to be ours. We're going to have it, and then we'll pay the state to just put it somewhere above coming in and out of the tunnel. We'll just say, this belongs to Hog Talk. It's the Bobby Hopper Transfer Tunnel slash portal. Uh, what a week. We had signing day on the 5th, which was yesterday. Of course, we're recording this, as you guys know that listen to us. We record the night before, or usually the day or the night before, so we'll get caught up on all things, well, you know we're gonna we're gonna break down the Razorbacks really fast. We'll go over Auburn. We'll get a little prepared for Missouri. We'll talk about the injuries and then we'll get into recruiting. So let's let's go ahead and let's bang out Auburn and Arkansas. Kyle, this one once again you have Witt kind of disappear. Jimmy Witt, who who logged 40 minutes with zero points, and we found out and we're gonna get to the injuries later, but he's banged up. But Sills came through, Bailey came through, and I don't know, this guy named Mason Jones, I've never heard of him, but he, he logged 40 points uh, along with five assists and three total rebounds. The bench didn't really contribute outside of Jalen Harris, but what, what were your thoughts on this one? The Hogs lose it at home, 79-76. to 76.
2: Well, there was great ball movement during the most of the entire game, especially in the first half. And, of course, all the arguments came out that we're a better team without Isaiah Joe because this was probably going to be another game that it, he at least didn't score a single point in. Of course, TCU, he didn't play. And then uh, what was it against Alabama? He played but didn't score a single point. And Limited, two and yeah. Oh, and it was looking like that they were going to, to maybe close out this game against a really good, at the time, 19-2 Auburn team. But really, what it just boiled down to was uh, was fatigue. I know we were talking about it earlier in our group text that it's it's just these guys that are playing forty minutes. Of course, talking about Joe when he was playing and Mason Jones and Jimmy Witt. At the end of the day, yeah, they're in shape, but you can you can only do that for so long. And I think War Machine was the one that tweeted and said it best when you give up an eleven point lead with six point with six minutes left, and you've got right, you've got. Isaiah Joe on the bench, not playing for possibly we were thinking maybe about a month. And I've even heard at this point that it could maybe even be the season, or at least the regular season. And then Jimmy Wentz non-existent. That's just, I mean, we're just lucky to to get out of there with it only being a three point game You're
0: taking it in overtime. And I'm not going to lie, man. As soon as it went to OT, I, I texted a good friend of mine who was actually at the game, and and well, he actually he asked me. He said, "What do you think our odds are?" And he gave he gave me the uh, I think we're one and two in overtime, I think, or one and three, but he thought one and he thought one and three, and I said, "I I don't like our odds here because Auburn, although they are short on they don't have as much they they don't have depth either, but they have they have at least a guy or two more than we do. Their bench actually contributed, you know they they picked up." let's say, 11, 12, 13, 15 points off their bench, uh, logged a couple blocks, and they got 11, 12 rebounds off their bench. Like, there was some actual production from their bench. Arkansas, on the other hand, not so much. These guys are worn down. You had, uh, you know, you've got Witt and Sills logging 40 minutes, Jones with with 45, Bailey with 35. You're, you're done. As soon as this thing went into overtime, I knew, that, no, they're not going to win this. There's no way. Uh, I'm not a... I swear I'm not a negative Nancy. I've I've had people accuse me of being a sunshine pumper, but I just knew, and I think a lot of fans felt this too, even inside Bud Walton that uh, Arkansas was out of gas. Um, but well,
2: and I was no, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and, and I was like that too, and I, I kept telling myself that you know this is a and I, and I still think that with the talent now, I'm talking about, of course, if they're healthy. But <laughs> yeah. this is a tournament team, and I didn't mm-hmm. think that, of course, going in. I don't think anybody did. I think you and I both had them at around 18, 19 wins this season, and it's looking like they're definitely going to get there. Of course, they're at 16 right now, so I think they'll for sure get, no doubt, two or three more. But, it, of course, Isaiah Joe, as we mentioned, going to be out an extended period of time, and then possibly Jimmy Witt. I know he's pretty banged up. We had a really bad scare with Mason Jones there when he we hurt his knee and went down pretty – it was real scary the way that he was – with the way he was holding it and kind of grimacing in pain. And so yeah. it's it's at that point where, man, we're, we're running out of guards. That's about what we've been playing this year for the most part is guards. And it seems that we're running out of them. Reggie Chaney, he, he's picked it up off the bench. He, he's averaging the last three games eight rebounds per. Yeah. And so he's picked it up. But it's like, man, where's Gene Tosilla? This guy scored over a thousand points when he was at, at UNC Wilmington for the longest time. I was saying Florida Gulf Coast for some reason, but as before he came to Arkansas, he was scoring or he had scored over a thousand points, and it's like, where has he been? He has barely had a pulse throughout the entire season, and so, um, man, you know, at this point, it's it's possibly gonna we're going to see a downward trend with the the injuries piling up and as i said with the amount of minutes that these guys have continuously played it's just you can you can get in shape all you want but at the end of the day it's it's hard to it's hard to beat the the human biology dynamic that look man it's your body can only withstand so much and these guys have been playing their hearts out they were obviously gassed the other night and still took auburn to the wire a very good auburn team and so Hopefully they can rebound against a, a not so great Missouri team, but you just can't take anybody lightly as LSU saw against Vanderbilt the other night. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the rest of the season, but I still think even at this point that they've already surpassed expectations.
0: They absolutely have. Uh, you guys, you and Jacob were on the same page at that at that win total. I think Jacob was at eighteen. I was actually at like fifteen. So they have blown. They have proved me so proven me so wrong this year, and I am okay with that. And like I tell our Discord, like I tell the the Troll Network Live people over there that come through, I'm okay. If I'm wrong and Arkansas is winning, hey, guys, I'm okay with that. I can live with it. You can call me all the names you want and say, Ty, you're wrong, and all that. You can make the freaking hashtag or whatever someone threatened to do. I'm fine with that. Um, as long as it turns out the other way around with Arkansas winning. Um uh, I, I'm I'm with you on Silla. I have no idea where this guy's gone. I've been skeptical of him. When he transferred here I was all about it. I'm like, oh man, Silla's gonna be great. And then really non conference play or even the the uh, Barnhill red white scrimmage. I just there's something about him that just didn't mesh, you know, and of course we got to see Vanover in that matchup. Vanover you know he's not afraid to try and stretch the court at all. He's going to take shots when whenever he's uh, ready to go. Next year he'll be uh, he's going to be such a great addition to this team. Oh my gosh, 7 foot 3. You can't coach that. But Silla really since non-conference play there's just something about him and 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 you see him and and Musselman does not he's got a really short leash on Silla. Just like he does with Henderson and like he did have for a little while with Cheney. But those two guys, between the two of them, between Silla and Henderson, they logged six minutes. You know, Henderson got at least an offensive rebound. I'll give him that. But again, uh, has he scored any points all year? Has Henderson done anything all season? I know he hasn't seen the floor a lot.
2: I I believe he is averaging about 0.6 per game. So (laughs) I'm just under a point. Yeah, he's averaging about four minutes, three to four minutes a game. Just hasn't seen much. And, you know, this was a really heraldic guy. I believe that he was in the same class. As Khalil Garland, and those were two guys that we were really excited about. Now, of course, oh, Khalil had, has the heart condition. Unfortunately, had to had to hang it up early. Uh, luckily, he's still being able to be a part of the team. But, yeah, man, Ethan has just been a uh, he's been a really big disappointment up to this point. And with Silla, I, I've I've talked about him all season on, on when I was doing Hogs, of course, still and. I, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from him on the defensive end. I mean, I really didn't see much from him. I had watched a little bit of YouTube film on him from what I was able to find, but yeah, yeah I just I still can't get over the fact that he has not been able to score at all. It's at crazy, very little. It's crazy, and it just blows my mind. You score a that I don't care what level you're playing, you score a thousand career points, and you can't get anything going yeah. really ever. That's that's just that we, we can't have that. But I agree. it's just kind of it is what it is at this point. I agree. I agree
0: 100%. We had people on Facebook after we posted the loss complain a lot about the free throw shooting. And, guys, that was absolutely a problem. Um, maybe not a – well, okay, 61.5% is not great. You were 16 at 26. Jones was 11 of 16 – I think it was the time that they were missing the free throws that bothered them more. I'm okay with missing a couple early on. All right, that's acceptable. But at you know it's it's that clutch free throw shooting that's got to come through. And they they just couldn't. They really could have put this thing away in the final minute of this game. They really could have. They had an opportunity there and they just couldn't do it. Um, Mason Jones, five of twelve at three point range, twelve of twenty four. Here's what Arkansas did. We'll just go over the numbers really quick. Uh, we'll start with Auburn first. These guys shot 44% from, from field goal. That's not bad. 25% for three-point range, 70% at the free-throw line, taking 30 shots at the free-throw line. Again, they scored 79 total points. Arkansas, 42% from the floor, 40 from from uh, three-point range and 615 at the free-throw line. Um, Yeah, I think that the the time that they were missing those shots mattered more than their actual... I mean, again, 61.5 is not great. It's not. It's not where you want to be. Mason Jones, I think you can argue missing five shots at the free throw line is unlike him. I mean, he's, what, a north of 89%, 90% free throw shooter on the season. I don't know what he is just during conference play alone, but...
2: I think he's about 83, but still pretty good. Pretty good, yeah,
0: absolutely. So. Moving on really fast, we'll transition. We'll we'll break this down really quick. They're going to take on Missouri, who is awful. I thought A and M. What little I got to watch of A and M early on, I thought they were the worst team, and they've come around a little bit. Missouri is making a case to be the worst team. They're ten and twelve overall, two and seven in conference play. I mean, Kyle, I guess we'll just say, just give me a give me a a, a win. What, what, what do you think happens here? Do you like Arkansas? You know, it's on
2: the road. Well, I'll go with Arkansas. One thing I will point out, though, we're on the free throw. We're, we're on, on the title of the free throws, or topic of the free throws. So Arkansas right now, they're at seventh in the SEC at 72%. Missouri's at 77%. That's second behind Kentucky in the conference. Mm-hmm. And Missouri really doesn't have – they're not very good at anything, really, if you look <laughs> at the statistics overall. Um, you, again, you look at their record. But it is a road game in the SEC, yeah. a road game in conference play, which, wherever you play is tough. So let's keep an eye on that. Remember that if it's a close game, because we are very banged up right now. Yep. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. If this does come down to free throws, you can probably count on Missouri making them. Against Auburn, I don't think that we were afraid to foul because Auburn was so bad at shooting. They're at the bottom of the SEC. They're 12. Yep. So that was something that we weren't scared to do. Of course, after Mason Jones got his own rebound after shooting a three and then got an and one and then converted that and it looked like that we might have a chance we weren't scared to foul. This is a team that you're going to be scared to foul. So that is something to look for this Saturday as we play them.
0: They are looking at them points per game. They're awful. I, I, you know, they're they're 65 points a game, which ranks 359th in the country. They don't rebound. They don't get a whole lot of second chance shots. They're at three or they're at 34 per game. 309th in the country. There, uh, like you said, they're not really good at much of anything. They're If it really matters, they're at about 12. They're just south of 12 assists per game, which indicates that maybe their ball movement skills aren't so great. Puts them at 342nd there. But their points allowed – they're probably above average as far as a defense. That's like the only thing. Like you said, the free throw shooting is really good, and I think their their defense is, is a little bit above average. Um, I don't have their home numbers in front of me, but that's what they've got going on. Again, they are near the bottom. Vanderbilt got an upset, but Mizzou on the year. I'm trying to glance over their, their schedule here. Their only their biggest win is probably they did beat Florida at home 91-75. Uh, to 75. So, you do you do have that going on.
2: They also beat Illinois. That's So, I'd say Illinois is probably Ooh. their biggest win. Okay, yeah, the, I see that now. Yeah. The yeah. They did,
0: too, 63-56. So do, that's, a, that's actually a pretty solid win. Over that there. is. Well,
2: Illinois, Illinois is not – I mean, the Big Ten is a really good conference this year. I mean, it's, Andy Katz is right now saying that they might get 10-11. to 11. I saw like a, that. a really good friend here that's from Michigan. Big time Wolverines fan, and I'm I'm saying that right now they're maybe going to get eight or nine in, but Andy Katz is saying about ten or eleven. That's right crazy. Now. So, that's yeah, crazy. that's a big one over Illinois. Of course, that was a long time ago, but that's one to keep and keep in mind as well.
0: That was yeah. I, I I glanced over it really quick, and they did beat Georgia at home, seventy-two to sixty-nine. So this will be I, this won't be a walk in the park. Along with the injuries we talked about, Wit. We already talked to. We talked about Isaiah Joe. You're you're just banged up and. Uh, man, oh, man, it, every time we talk about depth or when we talk about guys getting injured, it makes you just wish that Vanover was freaking cleared just to give you some kind of advantage somewhere on the floor, and they just don't have it. Um, so Mizzou 2-7, and 10-12 overall. Arkansas kind of floating around the middle of conference play right now, 4-5 and five with a 16-6 and six overall record. I, I Do you want to call this a must-win? Because if you lose it... I, it's not going to help you. The closer yeah, we get,
2: they're they're at the bottom half of the. I, I want to say it's like ninth or tenth from the last that I had checked. So it's it's kind of right now, especially with a team that's just not very good, like Missouri. Mm. You've got to win this. I mean, at this point, you do, uh, and you're already sitting at four and five in the SEC. Uh, I would definitely say that right now, and and with the depth issues, you've got to. You got, of course, you got a really tough game, Tennessee. And I and I harp all the time that road games are so tough and especially in conference play but then you go to Knoxville on Tuesday uh, against a Rick Barnes coach team man you, you've got to get this one for sure
0: yeah you've got you on the road against Mizzou they don't come back to Bud Walton until the 15th so on the road against Mizzou next uh which is at 230 SEC Network then you're back on the road again to Tennessee you're at home against Mississippi State at Florida back home against Mizzou I'm gonna say it now though even with the depth and the injuries I think Arkansas goes 2-0 against Mizzou. That's just me. Um, Tennessee at home, at Georgia, at home against LSU. Um, get some revenge yeah,
2: Mississippi there.
0: Mississippi State again.
2: Say that again? Yeah, Mississippi State again. Granted, it's at home, but they're always a thorn in our side, as we had mentioned before.
0: Yeah, and then your final game of the year is at Texas A&M, which, you know, I don't know. Did you see – they were? I forgot who they were playing. Uh, it was – was it Wednesday night? Who the heck were they playing? But they showed the stands, and it was completely empty. I think it was Mizzou and A&M, now that I think about it. And there was nobody. And I know they're bad, but you're in a rebuilding year. I, you know, Mike Anderson's first year, Bud Walton, certainly had more people in their stadium than what A&M had at home. That was ridiculous. I, like, I don't know. A&M, oh, I hate A&M. I hate that cult. They're a bunch of <laughs> – it's a cult. all it is. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm. I'm gonna say I got Arkansas on this one. Uh, did you give your? I, I, I don't know. Did you give your pick?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go Arkansas in a very close one. I, very I think. Close. It'll, I think they'll they'll get them at the end. But again, just keep out. Keep a lookout for those free throws. That's that's gonna be one to really watch out for, especially
0: in a close game. Uh, like what could happen uh, on the road Although you can argue Arkansas played Some of their best basketball on the road this year So we'll see but I'm with you I think it's going to be close and uh, But a close Arkansas victory Let's move on to the meat and potatoes of the show I know this is what everyone's waiting on And that is Recruiting Football recruitment uh, Signing day happened It was a, uh, I'm going to say that it was It was Look, all things considered, pretty damn good day. Pretty damn good day. I'll let you just go with it, Kyle. What? Just give me your thoughts on this class. Who shines? Who's maybe being overlooked? The floor is yours, sir.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great day. Are you considering now, we, we all know how this started. Whenever Sam Pittman took over on December eighth, sitting at one hundred eighteenth. What was it like? Four spots above Harvard. Yeah. So you come in and. The, the biggest thing for me, of course, you get Darren Turner back from who was a previous commitment under Chad staff. That's a, a guy that I had talked about when I was on with you guys a couple weeks ago that really reminds me a lot of Joe Adams, just the way that you can line him up at so many different spots on the field and just the amount of things that he can do. But the big the big shockers for early signing day, of course, were Miles Slusher. And Ray Curry. Those were two guys that uh, I I thought we had a really good shot at Ray Curry, especially once Barry Odom came on. You've got, and and of course Brad Davis, guys that were already committing or he was already committed to them and uh, they were already recruiting him. So that was one that was shocking, but especially Miles Slusher, that's the biggest one. That's probably the biggest shocker of the class for me at this point. But then you you, you come in and you score Malik Hornsby who was the top uncommitted quarterback in the entire country at 98th. I mean, this was a guy that people are questioning of whether maybe he. Should. I've seen it a few times whether he might be switched to defensive back because he's so fast. He just he can't play quarterback. Man, that's hogwash. That guy, they the way that he played the some of the top competition in Texas this year. I mean, they went to state. And the team that they lost to, I mean, they, they had them, I think it was 45 to 42. So they lost by three points at Jerry World uh, against a very, very good team that has a couple of top prospects. I think they've got two guys going to Alabama. They also played – they beat the dog out of Bernie Champion in the semifinals. A very good team historically this year and just in the past. Um, and so you get, and you also get two, four, two four-star offensive linemen – and Marcus Henderson and Jalen St. John. And he mm-hmm. finish off the class. Right now it's at 30. I guess that's the final for 247. I, I don't think it's completely done yet in terms of overall. But, of course, Jacob said that uh, they were going to be a top 30 class. So right now he's looking like that uh, he could be the, the right one in this. I think you and I both said around 35 to 40 range. But mm-hmm. either way, when you think about where they were at and what they have done at this point, man, I mean, you just – you can't say enough. I mean, yeah, what what – Chad was able to do with that staff now that's the one thing that they did right while they were in Fayetteville but you think about a team coming off four wins Stan Pittman's never been a head coach before this coaching staff is making these guys buy in that they are really going to turn it around and I, I'm very impressed with what the job that they were able to do
0: yeah um I've I've been notified many times I was wrong on recruiting uh like I am on everything when I'm wrong that's all right <laughs> I accept it. I was wrong. I definitely thought top 40. Or I said for a while top 40 they'd be lucky to get there. Things weren't looking too good. I mean, Arkansas was swinging for the fences with that five-star kid out of Georgia who ended up signing with Georgia, sticking with Georgia. That was uh oh my gosh, his name's slipping on me. Jones?
2: Uh yeah, Broderick Jones.
0: So, um he ends up sticking with them, but I I, I felt like they were getting a little desperate there, and then you saw Horace pick. and And I'm gonna. This is not going to be a very well accepted take. And I'm not blaming the staff for this, but this is kind of this is very indicative of where you're at as a program when you've got a position that you need as bad as tight end, and you have your number two guy, your number one guy committed over at Auburn. Okay, that that you understand. He's gonna go follow the guy that recruited him. The guy that's Supposedly going to use tight ends and do whatever over at Auburn and, and uh, Chad Morris. You get that. That makes sense. It's a Power 5 SEC West school. But to lose out on a kid, I know he's got relationship with with the staff. I know he's got relationships. I get that. But that was a position of dire need. They are desperate at tight end. Uh, I, I, I don't know a ton about the kid that they got. Um, I'm trying to find his name here. Uh, uh, Colin
2: Sutherland. I'll, I'll tell you about him. Colin, so Sutherland. Something. hang on, hang
0: on, hang on. Let me let me finish really quick. Um, oh yeah, go ahead, go and ahead. then and then I'll let you go on because I know you've got some good yeah. intel on him. Um, yeah. That was that to me was just a big blow to lose a kid that you need that badly to UTSA was I don't know that that to me is just I'm not going to say unacceptable because it's not really Pittman's fault. You have a very short window of time to get these kids to get them on board really my gripe is first off I could go on with early signing period that's a damn joke but here's just an example of a coach that came in and this is an early signing period you had you had some time to work with him I wonder if you had kept Barry Lunny if you'd had a shot with Horace I, I just I hope that's not a sign, a sign of things to come, that they need a position so badly and they're going to swing and miss on a guy that he wasn't being out – you're not being out-recruited by Alabama. You're not being out-recruited by LSU, by Texas, by by Texas A&M, or even a Big 12 school. You got hustled by UTSA. Uh, that's – I don't know. That's just crazy to me. I, I, again, I'm not blaming the staff. I'm not trying to blame the staff. It might come off that way. I'm not – again, I – I've been following recruiting for a very long time. I get how this works, especially when you've got guys over there who've been recruiting you for a while. Um, I just was confused by that. And someone had pointed out, well, he wanted to stay closer to home. That Okay, I guess that's a pretty good that, – that might be it. I really wish they could have got Horace. Uh, Sutherland, what little I – you're going to fill me in on Sutherland. You're about to fill us all in on Sutherland. What little I do know. Um, he has camped. Uh, he camped, I think he did a 24/7 camp down in Texas. I, I could be wrong. He's out of Flower mound, Texas six four and a half 230 pounds or somewhere in there. Not officially ranked. He strikes me as the type of guy that's one of those quote unquote coach' up types, you know what I'm saying. Fill me in, Kyle. What's the deal with Colin Sutherland? Should we should he is he, uh, is he a, an emergency offer what's your what's your take on Colin?
2: Well, so he. Anytime we look at tight ends, especially when you think about a Kendall Bryles offense, or when you think about tight ends in general today, mm-hmm. you think about guys that are basically big receivers, big essentially receivers. like yeah. like a Hunter Henry that actually can block. But this kid, so he, he like you said, he's six four, six five. We'll we'll give him six five in cleats. Runs a four five. So and his stats aren't aren't mind boggling. He caught thirty five balls for three hundred and thirty yards, but he got eight touchdowns. So that mm-hmm. here's what that tells me. It tells me he's a red zone threat. That's what we didn't have last year. Grayson Gunner, how many p- touchdowns did he drop? Oh, and yeah. Chase Harrell, how many passes in general did Chase Harrell? Oh throw? my gosh, brickhead. Let me throw this at. Uh, he had this kid Sutherland had seventy pancake blocks. Wow. If you go and watch his film, majority of it is this guy driving kids to the ground. And you think about how now, yes, they're going to pass the ball a lot, but you've got Rakeem Boyd coming back. They're going to run the ball. Yeah, This guy is looking for contact every play, and he is not looking for to just get people out of the way. He's looking to drive them to the ground. I, I urge you guys to go check out his film on Huddle and just watch the way this kid blocks. He is a Sam Pittman player through and through. I'm not saying that he is going to start immediately. I'm not saying he's going to play immediately, but I am telling you right now that this kid has a chance at being the steal of the class. I oh, am that confident okay. in saying it. This right. kid is, is great. Again, I'm not saying that he is like this amazing receiver. I'm not going to say that he's going to have ever in his career, a thousand plus yards and 10 plus touchdowns, but he is going to help in places that we don't realize. And so, yeah, I, I, am with you. Uh, that really does hurt to lose a kid like Alan Horace, especially to a team like, I mean, man, I, I live seven minutes from UTSA. Yeah. Uh, not a very good program. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a nice university, nice uh, It's That's the, I would say that the, the city has bought into it, uh, quite a bit. Frank Wilson did a, a pretty good job there considering that they hadn't had a team since I believe it was 2011 that they came about. And so, and then he dropped off the last two years that he was there, but, but of course, like you said, the the Lunny connection and the trailer connection really had a lot to do with that. And if Maybe. I were to have the choice of Horace or Sutherland, I mean, on paper, I would probably go with Horace. Yeah. But this is a kid to really watch out for. Just be, not not exactly just because he's going to wow you with Hunter Henry type receiving stats. But this is a guy that's really going to help us out in the run game a lot, and he can go up and get the ball too. I, I really urge you to go watch his film. The kid's pretty great.
0: I'm gonna. I, my goal was today at some point to catch as much film on all these kids as I could, and all I ended up doing. I'm not lying when I say this. All I ended up doing was watching. Uh, uh, watching uh, uh, Good Grief. I'm, uh, can you tell I just got back from the Ladybacks game? The quarterback, at Hornsby. All I ended up doing was watching <laughs> Hornsby film over and over. I really like his film. I'm with you. I, 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 I like Hornsby a lot. Uh, he has a lot to offer, I think. I can't wait to see him. Yeah, my again, my you know, I, and I'll just say it for, for anyone else out there who's who might have only kind of caught a little bit of what I was saying with Horace. I get that he probably wants to stay closer to home in that connection with the with the coaches. I understand that. It just it really, I think it. I think really it's a it's a it's a sign of Arkansas has got a long ways to go to flip some of these kids, even the lower rated tier guys. Right, Uh, Horace, he was on board with Chad Morris. I mean, I guess we can say that he was on board. If I remember right, he didn't decommit till after Chad. Right. He, fired. he ended up,
2: and clearly Brandon Frazier was as well with his his decision that he ended up signing with Auburn. Boy, he got he got a bump. He got a bump on twenty four seven. He's a
0: four star tight end now, where he was a three star when he was committed here. And then days before he committed to Auburn, he gets his uh, he gets his extra star power. But yeah, uh, I'm going to watch some stuff on call. I'm going to try and catch as much film as I can. I want to watch more on JT Towers. What little I've seen out of him. Um, I, I've Or what I've read, anyways, there's some people around here, media people, that are really big on JT. Think that he's someone that, uh, you know, he's a, the, the 6'4, 210 pound linebacker out of Little Rock at Joe T. Robinson. By the way, keep an eye on Joe T. We've talked about them before here. They are spitting out some talent. They are about to really turn it up the next couple of years. They might be like what Warren's doing. Just spitting guys out, but JT's a guy that I'm, I'm really excited about. Uh, Kerry Johnson, I've heard is really underrated. The uh, six foot, 185 pound corner out of uh, where's he from? He's uh, is he? He's not JUCO. He's uh, out of Connecticut. That's what it is. He's out of uh, he's out from the Northeast at Suffield Academy. Um, I, I yeah, I, Hornsby to me is obviously the guy that he didn't shock me. I, we've known for a while now that he was if he wasn't a soft commit he was everything but especially after he turned down the Baylor visit and he ended up of course as we know signing 62175 for me though the biggest surprise and smoke came up on the 4th the the night before signing day was Marcus Henderson i had i had no idea leading up to uh, the night before i had heard all these rumors that he, was, he wasn't too thrilled about the position offer, something about the defensive line or playing somewhere on the defensive line. I'm still confused by all that, but apparently Ole Miss dropped the ball on this kid. And Henderson, the night of, pushed Ole Miss to the side, and that's when I guess he supposedly made his decision, or maybe that's when it actually became more and more public. You never know with these kids. To me, that was the biggest shock. Uh, was Marcus Henderson four-star guard again? Six-five, three hundred pounds. I, I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing though that between him and Jalen Saint John and Curry, that Curry is actually the guy that could see the field quicker than the other two. I don't know if you've heard the same, but
2: yeah, I, I've heard some rumblings of that as well. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's uh, if it's one of those situations, kind of like Sam Pittman's first year as offensive line coach. And we've, I know we've talked about this a little bit about how that. Dan Skipper and, of course, Denver Kirkland. Now, they didn't start off the bat, but about halfway through the season, they were getting a hefty amount of playing time. And then about the last half of the year, they ended up starting as true freshmen. And we might see something like that as well. I I was on with with, uh, Grant Long from NMDTV last night talking about the the signing day, and I was saying that the left guard especially position is wide open. Now, you could even argue maybe left tackle as well. But most of these guys that we signed, you could probably end up They'll, they'll probably end up playing guard, I would say, uh, more than likely. But with Ricky Stromberg suppl- taking down the the right guard spot, who knows what could happen at left guard, uh, wh- whether Shane Clinton will step up or whoever, Bo Lemmer, whoever that may be, or it could be one of the true freshmen. So I definitely think that we'll see all all three of them, maybe not until the kind of like the last four games where they won't, won't burn their red shirt, but – We'll probably see all all three of them at some point this upcoming year.
0: We had we had Discord questions, but Discord uh, blew up tonight, and I can't scroll through all this and find it. So I'm uh, my bad. I know someone wanted us to cover baseball. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not. I'm not even there. I've done a little bit with baseball, but not a whole lot. I, we can hold off on baseball for uh, maybe either a, a show next week. We have we're supposed to get Ryan on. Ryan, uh, uh, folks, is supposed to be on. I think on maybe Sunday. And uh, we'll have him on to talk about about baseball. So he put a video out. That was awesome. And then it got taken down. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, copyright issues. I was I was lucky to see it as soon as I went to have dinner and I got back and I saw it was blowing up on Twitter and Facebook and I took a look at it. Man, that that guy does. If you, if you're not following Ryan Folks on Twitter, man, you're that guy is the best at baseball content that you'll find. He. <laughs> He really
0: is. He's super knowledgeable, obviously. Um, he knows his stuff. I can't wait to get him on here and get, get caught up. And uh, I'm probably as excited for him as we were when we brought on Phil Elson. And, and I mean, that's just huge. What an opportunity to get him on here and, t- and to talk. Get us all caught up on some Razorback baseball. If anybody could do it, it'd certainly be him. But uh, we're hoping to get him on. Um, someone had asked about depth, and you kind of covered it on the offensive line and as far as who's going to start. Again, I'm not even going to go down that road yet until we get closer to spring camp because I think with Sam Pittman, this whole new staff, anything can happen. I do, and I'm with you. I think all three of those freshman linemen are going to are going to rotate at some point on the offensive line. I do think you're going to see some position changes. You're going to see guys move around. That typically happens, anyways, um, with some of these signees. It's going to be a really interesting and exciting. I, I you know, spring camp's going to be fun to follow. That's usually uh, that's. To me, it's just as, almost as good as football season, as far as being a content creator for Razorback Sports, um, covering covering Arkansas football. It's uh, you know you get as much intel as you can during the uh, fall camp, other than obviously getting ready for putting in uh, game prep for week one. So it's all about getting these guys situated, and getting them used to the campus life. You know, the new guys. The more information we get on the on 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 who's going to be here early and Roley and all that, and injuries and everything, we'll get you guys caught up here on the Hog Talk podcast. I gotta say Kyle your very first episode you did great man thank you so much for making time to come on
2: absolutely man it was great a lot of fun and look forward to more times I will say the the last thing I'll, I'll say
0: about the ladybacks I, I was there um, South Carolina's the number one team in the country those women that's the best women's team I've seen walk into Fayetteville and do what they did that was incredible the lady uh, the ladybacks fought. They fought really hard, but uh, South Carolina, they shot blocking. They're, they were just – it was too easy inside. They kind of did whatever they wanted. Uh, I was kind of surprised the officials just let them play. South Carolina and Arkansas didn't really take a whole bunch of shots. Of course, I do not as always, I don't have my damn sheet in front of me, but uh, South Carolina is clearly the number one team in the country, and that's really all you can say about it. You, you feel for the girls. Hopefully they're able to bounce back. Uh, they're going to play Sunday against Kentucky, I believe, if I, if I uh, saw that right. But i uh, going to try and go to that game as well. So that's going to do it on behalf of the Hog Talk Podcast. Shout out to you guys in Discord and to all of our followers. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to give us some star power. We really appreciate that. That goes a really long ways on, over on, on iTunes. So uh, thank you again. we Pig and We'll see you on the next one.